We're in the third week of a message series I've called Searching for Something. And in this series, we're looking at six deep needs that Jesus meets. And because these are needs that we come face to face with uh, throughout our lives, the goal of this series is to help us to recognize when we're trying to meet those needs in ways that work against the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And on the flip side, to know how to have those needs met in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And our memory verse is Philippians 4.19 for this series. So let's start by reading that together. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And so far in this series, we've seen how Jesus meets our need for belonging and acceptance. He's a friend of sinners. He welcomes us into the family of God. He gives us a place to belong. And then last week, we uh, talked about how Jesus meets our need to be loved. This week, we're talking about the need for hope. And, you know, hope is essential to our spiritual and our emotional health and The good news is that God has created us with this incredible capacity to hope, to believe that things are going to work out, that the impossible can happen. And I've seen this in action many times, but um, this past week I was uh, visiting with Jim Lewis, and he was reminiscing about how he missed pheasant hunting and uh, how there just aren't any pheasant anymore. And so later in the afternoon when I was working on this message, trying to think of an illustration that illustrates our capacity to hope, I thought of a a practical joke I attempted several years ago during pheasant season. And it turns out it's especially appropriate to share uh, with you today because my brother Bruce is here, who was a co-conspirator, in uh, that practical joke, although he may not want to admit that he had anything to do with it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the story involves this joke that he and I played on our brother Bob. And I'm not a big practical joke person, and it's probably because of the way that this one turned out. I've just kind of repented of that sense, so you don't have to worry that you're next in line or anything. But it does illustrate our capacity to hope for the impossible. How many of you have, at some time or another, seen a balloon like this alongside the road or out in a field or something? All right. And, and did you ever wonder, like, does it have a note in it? Did you, did you ever go check, you know, how the kids sometimes send up the notes or churches? They have these things. Well, anyway, one day I was... Um, It was about 10 years after Forrest and I were married, so it was a while ago. I was looking out our back window as I was doing the dishes, and I saw something caught my attention out in the fields. Now, the farm hadn't been farmed in quite a while, so the fields were, you know, grown up with weeds and such. And uh, so I, it was a nice fall day, kind of this time of year. So I walked out into the field to see if it would happen to be a balloon with a note in it or something, because I'd got my binoculars out, and I saw it was some balloons. I got out there, it was just balloons from a car dealership. But all the way out there and back, my clothes had been collecting stick tights, the shoelaces and everything. So as I was sitting there on the porch, picking the stick tights out of my shoes and things, an idea came to me. (laughs) 
And these are the pieces of that idea. I have a sister who lives in Iowa. Any Iowans here? And at the time, uh, she has a daughter, and at the time, she was in second grade. So Iowa is west of Michigan, and the winds blow west to east, right? You're following me. And uh, so these fields were, they had pheasant in them, and at the time, my two brothers would go pheasant hunting in those fields, and pheasant hunting season was two weeks away. So I called my sister... And I asked her to have her daughter Sarah in her little second grade handwriting write a note that would say, my name is Sarah Pluff. I'm in second grade at Belmont Elementary. Our school is having a balloon day. If you find this balloon, please mail me a postcard telling me how far it traveled. So she sent me this note. I blew up a balloon, stuffed the note in the balloon, Tied it, and then when Bruce came down to go hunting, I asked him out to lunch and I enlisted his help in this uh, practical joke. And so uh, he was going to take my brother Bob hunting in one part of the, the field while I hid this balloon in another part, and then they would conveniently come back past that section of the field. Well, later that afternoon, I received a call from Bruce, and he said, I think you had better get down to Mom's right away. And my mom lived down the road from me, about 150 yards, so I just uh, ran down there. (laughs) And when I got there, the scene was something like a Norman Rockwell painting. (laughs) Apparently, a number of things had happened in a short period of time. At about the time my brothers were... Finding the balloon with the note in it, my mother was inviting a Kirby salesman into her home to demonstrate a Kirby vacuum cleaner. And at about the time my brother came home with the note uh, and was sharing it with my mother, the florist delivered a, a, had a delivery of flowers that she was delivering. So by the time I came in the door... My brother Bob and the florist were looking for the number of the local paper... And the Kirby salesman was comforting my mother who was crying and telling her, it's just amazing, it's just amazing. (laughs) Of course, when my brother Bob turned to tell me his amazing story and saw the look on my face, we both realized that it was a practical joke that had gone very wrong. So I I put this string on a balloon and planted it in the field. And as impossible as it was that that was the real deal, people believed it, believed that the impossible can happen. And we have within us this God-given ability to hope, to believe that good and wonderful things can happen, that they're just around the corner, that they're coming into view even now, and that the future holds something better than the present. And even before we recognize that God loves us or know anything about what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we have this capacity to hope. And we get a glimpse of where this comes from in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, He, God, has planted eternity in the human heart. God has planted the seed of eternity 
in our hearts. And it's a hope that causes us to strain our eyes towards a better day. It's an incredible future that we read about in the pages of Scripture that the prophets spoke about, that Jesus told his followers to look for and made available to us through his life, death, and resurrection. We are designed for hope. And that's a good thing. Because there are some really tough times in life when we need hope, aren't there? Life is sometimes hard. So in your message notes, I I put a question there. It says, in what area of your life are you running short on hope right now? Needing some hope. And there's a line there that you can write uh, something down on. Maybe there's something in your life that if God doesn't come through, uh, looks like everything's lost. Maybe there's some circumstances that aren't changing or a relationship that uh, it seems hopeless. Whatever it is that you need hope for right now, I'd encourage you to write something on that line. I think it'll help you apply the message as we go through. And I realize, you know, some of you, everything's going smooth like right now, and that's great. But we also know that we don't know what tomorrow holds. So I just encourage you to all to, to hang in here as we talk about how Jesus gives us a real hope that won't disappoint us when life does, and then how we can pass that hope on to others. So if you're running short on hope, uh, go ahead and pull out your message notes. We're going to look at four ways that we can experience more of the living hope that Jesus brings and gives to us. The first thing that we can do uh, when you're in need of hope is to take your need to God. He's the source of all hope. This this ability of ours to hope is God-given, and it's God's intention that we would put our hope in him. Unfortunately, sometimes we go uh, different directions, and we come up with our own plan. We put our uh, hope in other things, things that God describes as false hope or vain hope. Uh, In fact, uh, as I was looking at the different scriptures, I I saw in Job that uh, Job describes our propensity to put our hope in other things as leaning on spider webs. Isn't that that a a pretty cool image? There are times we lean on other things and they are as unreliable as leaning on a spider web. And, you know, whether it's the lottery or self-help books or our bank account balance, we sometimes put our hope in things that are false hope. And what we really need is a hope that is secure and unchanging. And God wants us to put our hope in him. And here's what I'm hoping you will get out of the message today. This is our focus. When life is unsure, we have reason to hope because we have a God we can be sure of. When life is unsure, it's difficult, things don't look hopeful, the future is uncertain, the morning paper is full of bad news about the economy or people shooting people. When the check account Uh, checkbook balance has a minus in front of it when your teenager isn't speaking to you when the house is empty and the silence feels like it's going to suffocate you when you're living with chronic pain or the diagnosis isn't good when you fill in the blank when life is unsure we have reason to hope because we have a God we can be sure of uh, look at the Apostle Paul's prayer in Romans fifteen thirteen. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, 
will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can have joy and peace in the midst of trials when we continue to trust in God. Uh, He can give us a hope that's a confident hope. And then the second way to experience the hope that Jesus gives us is uh, to ground your hope in God's promises. To ground your hope in the promises of God. And in the letter to uh, the Romans, Paul points to one of the greatest examples that we have of hope that's rooted in a promise. Uh, He takes us back to the Old Testament character Abraham. Abraham uh, had been promised a son, but it had been like 25 years, and he and Sarah were still waiting on God. And Abraham is called the father of our faith because he hoped with an unwavering faith in what God had promised. Uh, look at Romans 4 with me, Romans 4.18. It says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so he became. Now I want to stop there and encourage you to notice that it says that Abraham believed, and so he became. What you believe greatly impacts what you become. If you believe that all is lost, that God is not going to come, uh, come through for you, you will eventually become discouraged and depressed. What we believe impacts what we become. Abraham believed God's promise to him, and so he became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. So looking at his outward circumstances, he had no reason to believe, no reason to hope, and considering that Sarah's womb was also dead, uh, continuing to hope made no sense, and yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he'd promised. Is there anything in your life you need to give God glory right now? having full faith that he'll do what he promises. You know, um, maybe some of you have outward circumstances that give you no reason to hope. But the hope that Jesus offers isn't just a wishful thinking kind of hope. It's grounded in the promises of God. It's rooted in God's promises. And Abraham hoped against all hope because he was holding on to a promise that God had made to him. And the Bible contains about uh, 30,000 promises. And some of those are specific promises to specific people in specific circumstances. Say that three times fast. But many are, are more... Uh, no, I'm not going to try it in front of <laughs> however many people are here. Uh, many of them, though, are, are general, and they're for everyone who's a child of God. So on the back of your message notes, I've... Uh, but several promises there that every Christian can pin their hope on. And as you read down through there and you think about that need that you wrote on that line, maybe one of those will speak to your heart and to your circumstances. And, and, and God will just speak to your heart that um, this is a promise for you. Cling to this. Pray this. And if there's not one there that fits your circumstances, start, start to read God's word and ask God, 
Uh, he's the source of all hope to show you how to pray about your need. Root your hope in God's promises. And then number three, allow God to work in you as you persevere in hope. You know, sometimes we just want to give up and throw in the towel. But when you persevere in the midst of trials, God is able to do work in you, important work. Uh, Look at Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since you've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. You know, uh, people will tell you, don't get your hopes up, right? The Bible tells us to boast in our hope. We have the hope of glory, and we have a certain hope. And it may not be coming into view yet, but it's coming. And someday we'll experience the glorious future that God's preparing for us. But in the meantime, we have to persevere. And God may not work things out the way you want him to or in the time frame that you want, especially if what you wrote on the line involves somebody else changing, because God's not going to force that person to change. Um, But whatever your need is, remember that while you're waiting, God is working in you. And when you persevere through trials, your character is being molded uh, to uh, keep trusting God. Let your faith grow, be rooted and grounded more and more in Christ's love. And as you do that, God is making you more and more like Jesus Christ in your faith. So even if things in this life don't work out as you hope, if you will continue to cling to Jesus, you will have the hope of glory. Colossians one twenty seven says this, and the secret is simply this, Christ in you. Yes, Christ in you, bringing with him the hope of all the glorious things to come. And, and that's a hope that won't disappoint. That's a hope that you can cling to, that comes from God, that enables you to persevere. And it's a hope that we should pass on to others. Number four is pass this living hope on to others. You know, there are people all around us uh, with all kinds of needs, and some of them are ready to give up on hope. And we have the opportunity to be a conduit through which God gives hope to the people that he puts in our paths. And God can use something as simple as a phone call, a note, a card, a text, a tweet, whatever your form of uh, connecting is to help someone to have the encouragement to keep going. And, and there are people around you with physical needs, need for food, the weather's changing and it's getting cold out, you know, go through your closets, see if you've got an extra coat, some sweatshirts in your drawers, whatever that you can give to the free store that might help somebody have hope and be warm throughout the winter. You know, an invitation to church or your small group might help someone who is going through a difficult time to get connected uh, 
to the source of hope, real hope, and change, change their life forever. You know, there are all kinds of ways that we can give others hope. And those of us who have experienced it should pass it on to others. I want to close with this scripture from 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can you think of a better hope than that? We have a living hope. Uh, and if you look uh, to the need that you wrote there on the top of your message notes, God wants you to go to him with that need, and he will replace that with a living hope as you go through it. If you look on the back of your connection card, there's a couple of ways there to respond to the message. The first is to memorize our series memory verse. Then the second says, I'm going to take some time this week to study the scriptures and be reminded of uh, God's promises to me. And then the third says, I'm going to look for ways to give someone else hope this week. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you that you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, have given us a living hope, a hope that changes and, and uh, uh, grows as we continue to trust in you. It's a hope that we can have confidence in. And I pray for anyone here, God, who is um, just low on hope today. I ask that you would strengthen them that you'd speak to their hearts to let them know that you're with them, that you won't ever leave them as they're going through this, that there's a better day ahead, that they can uh, look to you for everything that they need along the way. And I ask for your intervention in whatever circumstances they're facing, Lord, that you're the, the God of all hope, but also a God of power and and you love us, and so I pray that you'll be at work in each person's life and circumstances, that you'd help them to um, take the next step, Lord, that you show to them and to trust you as they go. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.